Hello and welcome to the first episode of 20-something and Confused, the podcast for 20-somethings looking for answers to navigate the twists and turns of everyday life. I'm your host, Gabrielle Snell, 20, very confused and looking for answers. Today, we will be covering a range of topics. I'm talking finance, relationships, mindfulness and social justice. And to help me delve into these areas, I'm joined by Bronwyn Islet, an educator, mother, friend to all, and albeit incredible woman. Welcome, Bronwyn. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here and I can't wait for this conversation to get started. Um, It's been a long time coming. It has been and we've talked and plotted and planned and here we are. Yes, we are. And I guess to start off the podcast, I want to ask you the question, what were your 20s like? I was reflecting on my 20s and the answer is probably pretty tame. Um, I think I look back at that period of my life and it was really about consolidating a lot of things for me. So it was the time when I graduated from university. I got my first full-time teaching position. I got married. Uh, I travelled overseas and lived there and taught there for some time. And then at the end of my 20s, we returned to Australia and bought our first home. So a lot of my adulting sort of happened in my 20s, I guess. Wow. Mm. You know, a journey in itself, just going through all those different like places and meeting all different people. Yeah, so it's pretty serious. Like compared to a lot of people's 20s, I actually think a lot of very serious adulting happened for me during that time. Yeah, well, I mean, by the end of it, you'd bought a house and you'd been married. Yeah, yeah. It all happened. I know. I can't even fathom having that happen at this age. I know, I know. Probably pretty boring, actually. No, I think it's all exciting and it's its own adventure. I feel like everyone's going through different experiences and like we'll talk today about our 20s or Mm. my 20s, your 20s but everyone's experience is completely different. And I think when I was in my 20s, getting married in my 20s wasn't so unusual, whereas I think now, you know, it's it's unusual to hear of anyone getting married in their early 20s um, and sort of to be at the stage I'm at in my life and to reflect back, I think there's been a lot of changes in how we live through our 20s now. So, yeah, but mine by comparison to many is pretty boring. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're sort of progressing as a society and growing and things that used to be normal aren't normal anymore. Yeah. Um, and it's it's beautiful in itself. Like mm. it gives us more freedom to be who we are. But I guess it comes with those learning curves of like we were talking this morning mm. and I've spoken to so many people about this podcast and they were like, I'm still confused. Oh, and my I'm, gosh. <laughs> It doesn't matter what age I am, I'm yeah. still confused. Yeah. I guess that's the... Absolutely. Like life is one of those things where you just keep stumbling through it. And, and I think that's the beauty and the joy really is that we are all just making sense of the world that we're living in and it doesn't really matter what age you are, there's different challenges or different learnings that come through with each stage and I guess you just move through them. So I'm certainly not an expert of the 20s. I'm in my <laughs> 40s and still confused but at the same time I'm really you know, thrilled to have this conversation with you. Wonderful. So I guess we'll move into the, I guess, first segment of the series, and that's talking about finance. Mm -hmm. Now, as a 20-year-old, I'm getting told to save and look after my money or like not rent and all these like different things, but we're all in different circumstances Mm. and not everyone, I guess, has the opportunity to buy. Not everyone has the opportunity to rent. Mm. I myself still live at home with my family, which I'm very grateful for, but not everyone, I guess, has that opportunity. Yeah. So you say that you bought your house at the end of your 20s. Mm. What was the pathway, I guess, to buying your house? And obviously you lived overseas and in different areas. How did you manage that? I think we were really, really lucky in that um, when... I started my full-time position. So I left university and went straight away into a full-time teaching position. So I was living out of home at the time, but I felt like I went from having part-time employment, casual employment to a full-time wage. And I remember actually having to adjust my thinking in every way. Like I was driving around a really old car and one day I thought, I actually don't have to drive this car anymore. Like I could choose a different type of car. I could update. And, and just that realisation that 
I suddenly had a proper income and a wage and I could, you know, splash out a little bit more was so liberating um, and that was great. Um, I think we were really lucky in that when we moved overseas, I was working as a casual teacher but was paid really good money um, and it was at a time when the pound was worth so much and so to the Australian dollar. So in our living situation, we were able to travel a lot still, but also save a fair bit of money while we were overseas. So we were often sending money home. So we made a bit of money from being away from home. Um, And I was also, um, my partner, my husband um, was working in human resources. So his wage was was reasonable. So we combined had a pretty decent income. So I guess it, it gave us the opportunity to do all the things that we really wanted to do um, and to still experience the joys and, and, you know, the wonderful opportunities of being away. But we also had a steady income coming in because of the nature of both of the, the jobs that we were doing. Um, and, yeah, so when we came home, we had, had done pretty well from being living overseas and, and working and, and travelling um, and really making, I guess, savvy financial decisions when we're away so that when we came back we were in a pretty good position to be able to look at buying something. I know that I've, before COVID, obviously, been able to travel a lot and mm. save. And I've always had that little, you know, the fun money aspect of mm-hmm. it. Because I feel like if I'm working a lot and I'm putting a lot of time and effort yeah. in, there's the saving aspect. But then there's also, you know, the joys yeah. in life. It's not all buy and save and, you know, you've got to experience life at yeah, the same absolutely. time. Yeah. When you came home and you were buying a house, was that an easy process? Did you know what you wanted to buy, where you wanted to live? It was kind of interesting, actually, because we were in a um, an internet cafe in Bangkok. So that was at a time when people didn't have smartphones and you couldn't just pick up your um, phone and do a quick Google or, or anything like that on any property. So we were catching up on emails at home and just connecting with people. So we're on our way back to Sydney and um, for some reason we got onto a real estate site and saw that um, some property was being built off the plan um, in an area that we were interested in living in in Sydney. And so that sort of kind of got us moving in terms of of trying to get home, get a loan sorted um, and get all of those things to fall into place. So I think, again, we were just really lucky in terms of what we'd been able to do while we were overseas so that when we came back, we were able to um, live with some friends and family for a period of time and that was while our unit was being built and then at the right time we were able to sort of go transition into living into our own place. So for us it was relatively easy. Um, Neither my husband or I have come from money so I think, you know, we used to look around at other people who'd be gifted houses or deposits of houses and that was never going to be for us um but I think well like I guess we were just sensible we made some good choices and that meant that that was a relatively easy transition for us didn't mean it didn't come at a cost but at the same time we were able to to consolidate pretty clearly so when you came back you pretty much had like your family and friends to support you but you'd also done it all yourself was that quite rewarding knowing that you'd built your life from scratch but yeah, it yeah. was. I think um, financial independence for us was actually really important, which is probably why we were in the position that we were in, in that we knew that we didn't necessarily have family to fall back on. Um, and so we kind of had to get ourselves sorted. Um, we had to be independent. We had to look after ourselves. We didn't have options that lots of other people seem to have. Um, both of us were raised by single mums. And so I think that you know, we, our understanding of, of hard work and of commitment and of, of looking out for yourself was pretty much consolidated through those upbringings. And so I think because of that, it just meant that we had a different approach perhaps to a lot of our friends um, and, and a lot of people today, I guess, because we were just suddenly thinking, you know, we've got to actually consolidate, we've got to get our life together yeah. um, and get organised. Yeah, I mean, I find in my life, especially at the moment, like savings um, becoming quite easy, just regularly saving, Mm. setting aside a, you know, an amount each week that I want to aim for. And eventually, like, if you just get in the habit of it, you save so much. Hearing like different advice from family and friends, talking to colleagues Mm. about what 
they did and how the process went about Mm. has been so helpful. There's been so many times where I'm like, oh, I could just buy this tiny apartment. Mm. But then I get all this different feedback Mm. and I'm like, oh, okay, that's possibly not the best option for me. It might be for someone else. I think the renting buying is really tricky. Um, So I did rent for a little bit when I was out of home, but um, I guess I knew that was short term. It wasn't going to be forever, but I think it's really hard. Like I think um, if you want to move out of home and and that's something that you're you're aiming towards, but then you're paying rent for somebody else's property and that can be really hard and it's a lot of money and it's every week. Um, And so I think there are, like that's hard. And we, we, when we moved down to Melbourne, we actually um, did rent for a long time. And again, that idea of, you know, I'm living in places I really want to live in, but I'm actually paying somebody else's mortgage now. So. Yeah. I almost think about when I'm saving, I'm like, how much would I be paying for rent? Yeah. And then I just put that away. Yeah. It's like, if I have the opportunity to do so, why not? Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah awesome. There are people at my age, there are people at any age that aren't in a position to buy or don't have the ability to buy what advice would you give to those that can't afford to buy now and in, instead need to rent? Uh, I think choose the people to rent with really carefully. Um, I think wherever you can, like being able to live in a place that's good for you, for your well-being, for your lifestyle is actually really important. Um, and so I think where without stretching yourself too much, being able to live in a place that you feel comfortable and you feel safe and you enjoy living in that particular area, I think that's actually really important. So I think if that means you might need to share with someone or whatever, I think it's it's worth it Um, because I think overall the the actual benefit you get from living in that place is far greater than, you know, you might be in this perfect tiny little one-bedroom place on your own but it's not in an area that you enjoy living in and so your quality of life isn't so great. So I guess without stretching yourself too much, um, enjoy living um, and, and enjoy living in a place that that energises you and provides you with community um, and a comfortable place to live. I guess you want to surround yourself with love and support mm. always in any aspect of your life. Yep. And if that's renting with people you know or you don't know, yeah. I've actually found like I, there's a lot of Facebook groups you can join in yeah, Melbourne okay. specifically and you can um, – they sort of give little infos on who lives in the house. Oh, wow. I know. And I just I just think that's like really yeah. great because you sort of get an idea and like having that interview stage where you're actually meeting them before you're just like, yep, I'm going to yeah. go rent that place. It's I think really – because I've heard friends that are like – I'm living in like a share yeah. house and it's just not the best. And then they move and they blossom. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah. really like where you live. Yeah. Like Absolutely. Really makes you who you are. Yeah. Um, and I think I've done a bit of, a bit of everything. So I did live on my own for a while. We have lived with friends. We have lived with family. Um, you know, we've lived overseas in share houses there. So I think it's, it's interesting to think about those communities and cultures that are created in those spaces but I think yeah very very much they impact on how you go about your everyday so I think where you're living in um you know the the place that you're living in has a big impact on your ability to navigate the rest of the world that you're in as well so I think you know as I said I I think it's really important to make some good choices about if you're going to rent where are you going to rent? What are the things that are really important to you so that you can actually um, be in a place where you're comfortable and safe? I guess talking about living with others and being in a supportive environment, I just want to get your advice on I'm in my 20s. I'm I'm changing so much. Like in the last couple of years, I feel like I've become an entirely different person to the person I was five years ago, say. Um, And not everyone in my life, high school friends, uni friends, work friends, align with who I am now and who I'm changing into. How did you cope in your 20s with friends moving on, finding new life paths, um, everything in, in between, I guess, I actually think this is probably something that has impacted me more now than it did in my 20s. 
Um, and that's probably been exacerbated by moving states. So actually having a fairly big change of lifestyle in my 40s. Um, but I know certainly during my 20s, as you're saying, you've got a whole lot of friends, so friends that you were at school with that you thought were forever friends. Um, then you go to uni or go into a new space and you've got all of these new worlds opening up and that's exciting. Um, bringing those groups together is always challenging. Yep. Um, <laughs> not always fun. I always found it so stressful when groups come together. Um, and then I think for me, like traveling overseas again, just opened up new possibilities for friendships. And so I think, um, I've been really lucky in that I've always had different groups of friends. I think I've got sort of friends that are sort of exclusively for me and they're the people that I go to and spend time with when I, I need counsel or company or, um, you know, just need some time out. But then obviously there are groups of friends as well. But I think I've also been really lucky in that all of my workplaces, if I think back on all the different schools I've worked in, I have such strong friendships from all of those places that I carry with me. And they've all been really important for me at different stages in my life. So the first school I started teaching in, I turned 21 when I was there. <laughs> um, and the Bronwyn that they know is very different to the Bronwyn that I am now. But they were so important in terms of helping me navigate, you know, relationships and being a first few years of teaching and um, moving out of home and all of those things. So they were really important people. They were often older people, but people who could give me really good advice um, through that time. And then as I've continued on into different workplaces, again, people have kind of entered into my life at different stages um, and picked up and, and moved forward with me. And I've, I've loved that so much. But yeah, I've probably found coming away from my home in Sydney has been the hardest. And it seems quite silly, given that we have so much connectivity in terms of um, our phones now and yeah. the capacity to connect. But I just have found that with some people that that friendship really relied on continuous physical sort of seeing each other, catching up. Being in the presence of yes. them. Yes. Yep. And kind of moving through the same experiences together. And when you're removed from that, um, then that, that has created a bit of friction or that's been, that's been challenging. So that's probably been a really hard life lesson for me that probably people experience earlier and I haven't experienced it until now. So it's kind of yeah. actually recognising we've potentially gone in different paths now and it's actually really fine, um, but there's still a loss they are in terms of that friendship yeah because I, I find being like in the last few years I feel like I've changed as a person I, and I don't know if it's the environment we live in mm. or just growing up but I just like I look back at my past self and I love her and everything mm. but the more I grow up I'm like wow like my interests and what I want to do with my life just don't necessarily align with yep. people that I've grown up with. Yeah. And that's not a, it's not a bad thing. It just means, you know, we're what all you growing up. Yeah. yeah. I th and I think that's the hard thing. It's not good or bad, um, but maybe the things that connected you don't exist anymore. Um, or maybe, um, yeah, the things that you could kind of touch base with, with that person on just to sort of get you into that groove of the friendship has kind of disappeared so yeah I know what you mean I don't know if you've watched it but I've been watching Modern Love <laughs> no oh it's a beautiful tv show on yeah. Amazon but um honestly like seeing how mm. relationships don't necessarily have to be like it, it can it doesn't have to end yeah. like you might grow apart for yes. a few years and yeah. then you come back together and yeah. you've got all these new experiences and all this all these life experiences that you can share like I am um, my best friend we weren't very close in high school yeah and then after high school that's where our friendship sort of blossomed yeah. and it was you know it's just different environments and I assume in life like you'll go through a lot of people and you'll have those experiences and you'll keep some of them really close mm. and I almost I remember talking to someone and they talked about how you have like circles within circles mm. and your circles aren't stagnant. Yep. You have like your close family, your friends, and then as you grow up the circle grows bigger and then it grows smaller mm. and then it just, you know, it's ever expanding. And it's Yeah, and I think I think what you're saying is true in that things don't 
Um, I think sometimes we, our younger selves would be that in order for a friendship to not be there anymore, there'd have to be a big blow up or there'd have to be a big drama or, but I think that notion of the comings and the goings and the touching bases and, and the friendship remains, but it's just not maybe active at that point. And that's okay. Yeah. Like it's actually totally okay. Yeah. I, and I think there's a bit of peace in that. Yeah. Like sometimes we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, like, oh, what did I do wrong? What did I have? Have I done something? Yeah. And in reality, life is a bit hard mm-hmm. and people go through phases themselves yep. of being able to be close to a lot of people yep. and not a lot of people. So yep. there's, I don't know, a bit of, it just eases you a bit. To and know I find that. too, during the COVID situation that we're in at the moment, there are some days I want to be connected to people. I want to call, I want to have conversations. And there are other days where even though I'm not in community with people, I actually don't want to have that contact at that moment. And so I think I've been a bit more selective. Um, I'm really conscious of those of my friends who are on their own and I'm, I'm conscious of connecting with them. But I think you are really selective sometimes about what you need. And I think increasingly we're becoming more aware of what are the things that I actually need today, Who, what's going to make me my best self today. And if having a phone call with someone when you're not in the mood to have a phone call with them, that's actually not a good necessarily a good thing for you so um for anyone um and so I I think it's it's been important for us to kind of use this time to again think about what have I got to give to someone today what do I actually need um and who can I show up for and if it's no one then that's okay too yeah and it's like sort of setting boundaries like I know I I struggled a lot with setting my own boundaries Mm -hmm. because I always was scared of disappointing people yep um, but if you set your boundaries and people realize that there's boundaries, if you know, there's not really any like problem with that. Like if we all set our own boundaries of what we want in life yep. and people can move around them and if, yeah. if they overstep a boundary and they get upset, well, that's the consequence yeah. of overstepping a boundary. Yeah. Yep. And the more you do that, the more you become sure of yourself and yeah. what you can, you know, survive and what you can put yourself through. Yeah. And I was just saying, I think boundaries is one of those things that as I've grown up a bit mm. more, I'm like, okay, it's okay to have boundaries. Absolutely. It's, it's allowed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, talking about all these friendship groups and them shifting and moving, um, when you have a lot of friends and like university friends, high school friends, work friends, how do you balance it all? And I guess you, for you as well, it's family, mm. like you have family life as well. Mm. Um, again, I, I probably just think about what do I need, um, from a purely selfish point of view. Like if, if it's, I just need the familiarity and comfort of an old friend that I can just pick up where we left off. Um, you know, if I need some kind of rigor or challenge in my conversation, like I might go to a different person, but I think, I think there's that aspect to it. But then I also just think it's about honoring the connection that you do have. So sometimes it is about reaching out to people from your past that, you know, you haven't had a lot to do with for a while. Um, in other cases, it might be, you know, that you have made some new friends and you want to have the opportunity to say yes to them. Um, I think for me, overwhelmingly, my family trumps all of that. Um, so I have two daughters and I feel like they're both moving through really significant stages in their lives and our lives at home are really busy. So if I have the opportunity, I will always choose to be with them. Um, And that's hard because it does mean when I'm with my younger friends that I'm, I'm the one that's going home or I'm the one that's saying no, but I think at the end of the day, that's a decision that I'll never regret. Um, And I know right now for me, that's where I want to spend my time. So, but it, it also means that then, I really value and need some time away sometimes as well. So I'll always prioritise my family. Um, but I also do very much think about, you know, especially at the moment, the thought of coming away from the home today was one of great <laughs> joy. So I could walk out, shut the door and off I went. So Adventure. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, I think that's kind of interesting, just thinking about, um, you know, yeah, prioritising my family always. Um, but then in relation to friends, just, I guess, saying yes when you can and when the opportunity is there and it's going to work out and it's going to 
enrich your life, then, um, yeah, taking the time to, to embrace those moments with your friends. Yeah. Like, I mean, taking those moments with your friends, I can like relate to, because at the moment I'm like doing work full time, Mm. uni full time. And I just like, sometimes I'm like, oh, I do not have any time Mm. for myself. Um, and so like even just little things, like I'm doing a, a art and craft session with my friends on Thursday night. And it's just like one of those things where I'm like, okay, yeah, I need this. I deserve this. Um, everything can take a backseat. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's those times where I'm like, okay, I need to spend some time, whether it's by myself, yep. some self-care, but like self-care is not just for you. It can be, yep. you know, reaching out to friends and just yep. spending some time with them. Yep. And yeah. And I guess family time is also like, I have a very passionate love for my family. Mm. I love spending time with them. I couldn't think of anything worse than being apart from them mm. too long. I say that, but I have traveled quite a bit, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. like I'm on um, FaceTime every night, yeah. just telling them about my adventures. So I don't know. I, I see what you mean about mm. like you're prioritizing the things that bring you joy. Yeah. 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 And I know for them, you know, they, they need me right now and they yeah. need me to be there for them. And so, as I said, I'll, I'll never regret that. Um, I guess so now I'm going to move on to another big question that's in your twenties is love mm-hmm. um and you got married at 23 I did which is a bit early a bit early in, <laughs> a bit in, early. <laughs> in the stage I think my mum got married at 19 oh, yeah, so it's it's a normal thing for yeah. the past I guess yeah but... way back in the past <laughs> um I did so Michael and I had actually been really close friends through high school um so our history is long and um we started seeing each other just as we were finishing year 12 and going off to university. Um, And so by the time I got married, um, we had been together forever. So I know we got married really early, um, but I felt like I'd known him for a very long time. Um, And I know that we were young, but I also feel like we'd kind of grown up together and that was like the next thing for us to do, to kind of move on and get married. Um, and then after that we traveled and, and so I guess it was kind of like the next stage in our relationship and then the relationship just kept moving forward. So we, you know, I, I didn't have the relationship dramas and disappointments that sort of punctuate a lot of people's twenties. And I'm, I'm thankful for that. (laughs) Um, and I often like used to go to bed whatever time on a Saturday night and think, Oh my gosh, some of my friends are just going out now. Like they're getting ready and they're walking out of the house now. (laughs) They're on the hunt. (laughs) And I'm ready for bed. Um, and so, you know, I know that I've probably been quite, um, sheltered in that respect, but yeah, I feel like we've grown up together and I feel like we've kind of, we've definitely grown together and we have navigated different stages of our lives together and we're certainly not the people that we were when we got married. Um, But I think that that's a really good thing. Sometimes that's been hard, like we've sort of moved through times and and we've been at different stages, but, um, you know, over a period of time you change as a person and then you change as a couple and then that relationship continues to grow hopefully so yeah well I mean I read this story recently where this man was talking about his wife and he said he'd known eight different versions of her completely different versions yeah and I guess finding someone who's just willing to be with all your versions yeah through it all yeah not trying to change you or be anyone that you're not yeah is I guess that's that's love yeah. in general. Like it doesn't matter what age you are. Yeah. As long as you find someone that's willing to accept for you for who you are. Yeah. And not, I guess, hold you back. Yeah. And absolutely. Like let you explore, I guess. And absolutely. And as I said, I feel like for us, um, yeah, we've really grown through a lot of things. Um, and we've taken chances in terms of employment or in terms of making big decisions about where we're gonna live and what we're gonna do. Um, and they've, you know, helped us to grow together and consolidate who we are as a team, um, and, and kind of put ourselves at the heart of everything that we're doing. Um, and so that's really helped us in our relationship, but yeah, I look back on who we were at 23 and 24 and we were just (laughs) 
not recognizable in any way. Like I look at my photos and think, oh my goodness, so young, so young. I feel like we all look at photos. Like I even look at myself in high school and I'm like, wow. I know. And it's, I'm starting to get scared the fact that I can like. Yeah, recognize Recognize the yeah. difference. Yeah. Anyway, it's, you yeah. know, it's too young to be having ex- existential crisis. No, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll leave that for a few yeah. years, I think. <laughs> about mindfulness I know you you do a lot of work with Mm. mindfulness I've seen you with a lot of students do mindfulness Mm. I myself try my best to be as mindful as possible in the way I live my life Mm. what tools and techniques have you learned over the years in terms of managing stress yeah so in my 20s I fell in love with yoga um, and that has completely transformed my life um and I, I mean that in every possible way. It's helped me through challenges. It's helped me feel really alive. It's helped me find a sense of peace and flow. And so that was something that I sort of stumbled across. A friend asked me to go to a yoga class with her in my 20s and I never looked back. <laughs> um, and so for me, um, that's really crucial to my mental well-being and my physical well-being. Um, and that helps me get out of my head, I guess, and get into my body and also just recognize a shared existence and humanity for everybody. Um, and so I find a lot of the philosophy that's associated with yoga is really, um, humanitarian and really universal in its approach. And I really like that. Um, and I think it helps you understand the connection between everyone Um, so that's been really important to me. And then also as a teacher of young people, I am really advocating for meditation. Um, and so I use a lot at home with my children, Smiling Mind, um, as an app, um, and the work that they do. And then, um, you have just been looking at other, other offerings that different people offer. So I find for me, Yoga helps me navigate my world and think about my world in a particular way. And then I find because I'm doing that, I then have the capacity to look at other people's worlds and recognize that there's time and space and that the difference of of what a word or a thought or a journal or something might actually do and how that might help through that time. Um, So I think that that's really important. So we're talking about yoga and like doing some activities that, you know, keep you engaged with your body and mm-hmm. take your mind. I guess I sort of sometimes visualize my mind as a horse running around. I don't know if you've mm. seen the, yes. the Calm app um, yeah. advertising. Yeah. Um, but now I like regularly just imagine my mind just running around and just slowly bringing in the in the rope to yeah. just like calm myself. Yeah. What other activities if you're like, I guess not into yoga or yeah. you, you don't have the ability to go to yoga classes yeah. or anything like that, what else do you have um, that you do regularly? Um, I have a dog um, who (laughs) demands a lot of my attention, but I wouldn't have it any other way. And so um, spending time with him, but taking him out into nature is really important to me. So the dog park is our happiest place for him and for I, because there's so much life that's going on there. And I find for me, if I get into a space where I'm too much in my head, just reminding myself that there are other people out there is actually really important. So going out and seeing life and, and seeing similarities between me and other people and seeing differences between me and other people is actually really important. So I think um, whatever you can do that takes you away from your own head in some cases, yes, definitely getting out and being in nature is really helpful to me. Um, but I, I can just, I just notice a difference in my house at the moment. Cause we're all so connected. Yeah. Um, you know, for some of my family members, if they can get <laughs> up and go for a run in the morning, there is a world of difference in our home. Yes. So I, I just think that the capacity to, um, look after ourselves and, and understand that we are not just machines, just moving through you know, and functioning every day, but we actually need to connect. We need to breathe. We need to use our bodies. We need to move. All of those things are so important. 
um, it's like nurturing your mind. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's like 100%. love and nurture. It's yeah. like sometimes we just push it to the side and it's like yeah. we're not like machines. We don't, you know, nine to five just pumping out stuff and then go home to do more. Like we are actually living, breathing yeah. people. And I think being at home again has sort of reminded me that there's obviously rhythms to our day and, and we create those rhythms to an extent but it's just reminded me it's so easy just to keep working. Like it's so easy to have that bleed from work into every other part of your day. And so um, creating those boundaries and and creating time and prioritising time for yourself is so important. Um, and, And I also think it just helps you be better for other people as well. So I know for me, often it'll be, I just need to go for a walk. I need to get out and I need to go for a walk. And I know I'll come back and I'll be a nicer mum and I'll have, (laughs) you know, more patience and, and be a better um, partner in the house. But at that, that moment, I just need to get away. Um, And so I think just recognizing that and understanding and listening and responding to that is really important um, and, and I think self-care is community care. So I think if you look yeah. after yourself, then you, you have the capacity to be a better member of your family, a better member of a team at work. Um, you know, it's, it's so much better for everyone. Like supporting yourself is in itself supporting others, because if you're a better version of yourself, then you have more to give. Absolutely. Like sometimes you can feel at the end of your straw and you just like you're a cup and you're a bit empty. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I notice like sometimes I've got this app on my phone and it's I am and it just every hour gives me a little like message, oh, like nice. just supporting me. Yeah. It's like I've got my, I know technology can one of some of those yeah. times be a big like it consumer, mm. but it's almost nice to have something that technology is doing yes, for me. That'll take you away. That takes me away. I found too, um, I did end up going to doing my yoga online as well, which was not something I wanted to do. I loved going to a studio and being in space and being in community. And that was really important. But then um, 2020 changed a lot of that and changed the way I practiced yoga. And I now enjoy being able to do yoga in my own space that I've created and at a time that works for me. And so um, you know, again, I've seen the ways that technology can take something that was a sacred practice at one point in a special place um, and now transform that that practice into a different space as well. And that's through an online medium, which would have seemed at odds with, yeah. with the practice of yoga at one stage. So um, talking about like mindfulness and everything, I remember my um, my dad one day we would I think we we're on a road trip. And we, we were just walking and we, I was like, we were all following along, all like head down, like we're just, you know, going to the service mm-hmm. station. And then I'm like wondering why I'm walking around in this like circle. And my dad was like, just walking us around in a and, and I was like, oh, what are you doing? He's like, doing something random. Mm-hmm. And, he, and, he, and that was like one of the best pieces yeah. of advice that he ever gave me. He said, do something random yeah. every day. Yeah. Because... You, sometimes it's so easy to fall in the yep. same rhythm of things. Like last night, it was pitch black and it was cold. And I was like, I'm going to eat spaghetti outside. Yeah, nice. <laughs> and nice. it just like made my day. It's like sometimes mindfulness, it doesn't have to be mm. a big thing. It can just be doing little things every day. And if you do a lot of little things throughout the day, it actually adds up and it can improve your life so much. Yeah. And I think the notion of mindfulness is actually so liberating too because it basically helps you just focus on now yeah. um, and on the thoughts and the feelings and the experiences of the now. So the the concept of the worries of the past or anticipations of the future, um, you're able to shed those and it's something you have to work really hard on. But when you can actually just sit in a moment, um, it's such a liberating way of being able to live Um and so powerful. So you're a social justice educator. Mm -hmm. um, And I sort of want to, as a young person, there's a lot of information out there. There's a lot of things happening in the world. It can be quite confronting a lot of the time. Um, And I guess I'm asking you what, action can I take as a young person to be involved in my community to make an actual difference? There's so much you can do. (laughs) Um, The most important thing I think is to be educated. Um, And so I think you need to 
I think you need to work out what are your core values? What are the things that really actually matter to you? And once you know that, um, you actually need to become educated so that you can become an advocate for um, and a spokesperson for an issue. When you hear something that you know is not true, you can respectfully speak out um, against that. Um, so I think as a young person, it's about kind of working out what matters to you. And I think it's really important to, to know that lots of things can matter to you. Um, but I also think it's really important to know that you don't have to get it right all the time. Um, I think that's what's really hard because I think sometimes there's so many things going on and you want to live a life that's true to your values and so you want to commit to all the causes and you want to do all the right things but you're not always going to get it right all the time. And so I think I like the philosophy of if everyone just did something of worth and value that's going to make a difference for our planet or for other people. Um, if we all did it imperfectly, but we all had a go, um, then the world would be a much better place. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to be the person who's responsible for ending, um, the climate crisis. We don't have to be the person who ends poverty, but we can actually work towards making a bit of a difference, um, or using whatever platform we have. So, I definitely say get educated so you can have intelligent conversations, you can make intelligent contributions to issues that are going on. Um, I also think networking is really important. So if it's in a local community, finding out um, who are the people who are, if organisations already exist. So in my local community, um, we have a campaign called Love Our Street. Um, and it literally is just a litter collection campaign. So mm. once a month as a community, we go out and we collect rubbish um, and it's sort of like meet on this corner at this time on a Saturday morning and we all head out and do it. And then interestingly, I'm always surprised there's a whole group of people who will comment and say, oh, good on you. Thanks for doing that. And I'm sort of thinking that's okay. It's actually pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. You could join us. Like it, there's nothing stopping anyone. So I'm surprised by the people that will actually make those comments. And then similarly, the organiser will often post something on their local Facebook group. And again, everyone's thinks that's great. That's so wonderful. And it's such a simple action. And it's actually yeah. a beautiful way of coming together as a community. So when we moved into that community, that was the first thing I sort of noticed. And I thought, you know, these people sound like they're my kind of people. And wouldn't it be lovely to get to know a few more people and to actually, you know, work within this space? And so that to me was a really important campaign. It's local. That's then connected me with, you know, um, local people who have the same values and, and interests as I do. In some cases, they're representing us in parliament. Um, and so, you know, there's networks and voices and, and opportunities there. Um, so, yeah, just, just working out what you're committed to. Um, and then starting to investigate what are the organisations that exist. Um, you know, if you're a young person, there's so many youth action groups. Um, so actually, again, aligning with those people um, and using your platform to actually make a difference. Yeah, because like sometimes we can be, I'm overwhelmed sometimes mm. by all the things happening in the world. And I'm like, I'll, I'll contribute to everything and anything I can. But sometimes you forget to actually look what's right in front of you and what's happening in your community. Yeah. Because there's so many things happening. But it's it, you make a good point about, you know, looking at what you can do in your community yeah. and doing little things. Yeah. It adds up if a lot of people do it. Yeah, 100%. And I think it's true. I mean, I think our young people are the people that help me to be optimistic because I think often I feel too so overwhelmed by the, the situation in our world. Um I think at the time that Afghanistan was reclaimed by the Taliban, we also had, you know, climate, climate crisis headlines. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I sort of looked at that situation and then the other alternative to the news was COVID numbers and, and situations there. And I just think there is so much going on. Um, and so I do think in order to feel um, optimistic, you do have to look at what you can control. So what difference can I actually make? Um, I think for us as educators, um, looking at women in Afghanistan, it's important for me 
to actually refocus on the girls that I teach here at school and think about what are the, you know, what are the privileges they have and helping them realise the value of their education. Um, and while the education can sometimes cause them stress and, um, you know, cause them anxiety at the same time, if I can get them to recognise that their education has empowered them, then that then helps them understand the value of that education and therefore if you didn't have that education, how your life would be very different. So I think it's about actually, you know, looking at a global situation, learning a little bit about it and then bringing it back to your own situation and then working out how can it help you make a difference in how you live your daily life and then how can you go about and actually not necessarily change a situation but advocate for or um, bring awareness to particular issues. You're one person but you teach so many children that then grow up and that's like a whole generation of people that are affecting change in our world mm. so it it's no matter what position or role you're in you're in your life if you're educated and you have a voice then you have the ability to make change yeah and that's what it comes down to and I'll often say to the girls that I teach really the best um poster for any campaign is how you actually live your own life so we can put up any kind of, you know, post around the school, we can promote any particular cause, but if you're, you know, living a life, burying your head in the sand and not looking out at other issues going on, then, um, you know, you can be called out on that. So you actually have to be true to to your word and the things that matter to you. So people can look at you and say, well, that's a person who has a strong sense of what's important to them and they stand by it. So I think, yeah, living as an example of what's what matters is really empowering. Talking about empowering others and raising a society where if everyone contributed just a little bit, it would um, create significant change. I sometimes feel as a young person that I'm not heard or the things I do don't necessarily add up to something. And I can be very disheartened and Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people can be disheartened. Um, And so in an ever-changing, ever-growing society um, where there's a lot of different opinions and it doesn't, like not everyone aligns with your beliefs, how do do I go about, I guess, staying strong on my viewpoint and knowing that what I say and I believe in is, I guess, the right thing or what I believe to be right? Yeah. So again, I think it's, it's down to education. So And you'll quickly find, like, if you um, are passionate about a particular cause and start doing some research about it, our friends at Facebook or whatever will help you with their algorithm because they'll then suggest a lot of other places and organisations that you could have a look at. So I guess it's just finding, again, that understanding of what my um, Facebook feed looks like is so normal to me and yet there's so much information in there that other people would go, oh, I didn't even know that existed. So, yeah, it's, it's just about what's your norm and then how are you going to live your life and committing to that but I also think I think we've forgotten because I think we've become really disillusioned by our politicians but I think at the end of the day we have as a nation but as a group of people we have to remember that we have the power to choose our government Um, and so if we don't like their policies then we need to be committed to campaigning Um, for an alternative and then we need to be committed to working towards that alternative coming into power and I I feel like that's sometimes forgotten I think again we take the right to vote as something that we take for granted and we shouldn't Um, and so I think we need to remember and it doesn't mean that we're, we're going to be satisfied with the outcome but it means that our voices are potentially being heard and we have the, the chance to work towards change and maybe change somebody's opinion along the way and that's that's an empowering thought. So I think we still have to have faith in, in those measures and we have to work towards voting in governments that are going to be committed to um, the things that matter to us. Um, so if we feel really strongly and we know that there is a political party that has a policy or a position statement that we support, then it's about advocating for that. Um, and actually working towards and holding into account, not just working towards, but I guess once a government comes into power, holding them into account for what they've said they're going to do um, or actually getting them to change their position on particular issues because I feel like we've given up 
and I get that. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Yeah, it's just like there's so much happening in, like all the time and you're just overwhelmed by all this information yeah. all the time and there's so many promises. I guess it's about accountability. It accountability is. for yourself yeah. in, the, in the viewpoints you hold and then making others accountable for the promises they make. Yeah, and I think for all the um, the politicians that we look at with scepticism, there are so many who are so, I would say most, are very committed to the work that they do. Um, and whether they be policies we support or not is is not the point. But I guess what I'm saying is for me, I look at so many people who are fighting the good fight and I think that gives me confidence that, that you know, we just have to keep working towards the right model or we have to keep working towards getting the right people into that space where they can make the government um, accountable. Um, and so I still believe that actually voting is really important um, and I think that being reminded of the, the privilege of that and the opportunity that's there is really important um, but again, I think there's so much to be said for just aligning yourself with with like-minded people. So finding groups or organisations, finding friends um, that actually have the same values as you and, and working together. There's something really beautiful about that too. I just wanted to say the biggest thank you for being the first guest on the 20-something and Confused podcast. I just think we've talked about some really important things in life. I guess it doesn't always necessarily have to apply to a 20-year-old. Mm -hmm. It can apply to a whole range of people. And um, I guess they're really important topics because it's what, I guess, makes our community, what makes ourselves. And... Um, I just, yeah, I just want to say thank you oh, so thank much. Thank you. Bronwyn. I feel I'm so honoured to be part of this. But I also think if 20-something and confused is what you are, then the world <laughs> is doing pretty well. So I think we've got a beautiful future on our hands if that's what 20-something and confused is. So <laughs> thank, thank you. you so much. And thanks for creating this space for these conversations. If anything has been mentioned in the podcast relating to apps or things for mindfulness, social justice, um, I will be linking those in the description. So if you need to seek out um, resources or want to have a look into some, I guess, social um, justice that you can partake in, please do so. And I look forward to talking to you on the next episode of 20 Something and Confused. <laughs>